Caitlin Van Sickle is a former field hockey star and current field hockey coach for the University of North Carolina. Caitlin began playing field hockey competitively in seventh grade at Tower Hill High School, a big part of their three state championships and many other personal accolades. When she committed to play field hockey at UNC, her success continued, leading to more team and individual success. All of this culminated to being named to the field hockey U.S. Women's National Team in 2013. Caitlin, after such a long time, it's finally great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So before we get started, tell us how you got your nickname. Yes. So it was the first day of preseason, actually. And one of the girl who was a year older than me, um, we had three Caitlins on the team. So one um, of the upperclassmen was like, okay, like, we're not going to call you Caitlin. So my last name is obviously Van Sickle. So then she was like, Popsicle, Poppy. It's kind of a stretch, I know. It's a good nickname, though. Thank yeah. you. It's really stuck, I have to say. Yeah. No um, no one calls me Caitlin. So um, mentioning your upbringing in Wilmington, Delaware, talk to us about that and how you got interested in sports growing up. Well, my mom was actually a teaching professional for golf for the PGA. So we were just grew up playing a bunch of sports. My, all, both my parents played a ton of sports growing up. So it was kind of just a given that my sister and I would play as many sports as possible growing up. Um, so I did, you know, soccer, basketball, lacrosse. In high school, I did field hockey, basketball, and lacrosse all three years, or sorry, all four years. Um, but I also went to a small school, so we had a requirement. Um, so we had to play, but I would have regardless. Yeah. And like you said, you played all those sports. What led you to finally focus on field hockey? Uh, again, it had something to do, well, probably it had a lot to do with the school that I went to. Like it was a small private school. I started a kindergarten and went all the way through to 12th grade. Um, but it had kind of a field hockey pedigree, you could say. So they had won a bunch of state championships prior, um, like, and so I just, again, you go there, like you're expected to play field hockey. Um, and then a bunch of my mom's friends um, were in the field hockey world, either coaches or whatnot, and just like encouraged her, encouraged her to encourage me to play as well. And then I just went to a bunch of camps and, um, but I didn't really get serious, serious about it until maybe like freshman, sophomore year. Like I played in seventh and eighth grade, but I wasn't thinking, I was thinking basketball was going to be my sport at that time. Yeah. And even though you weren't, you might've not chosen yet in seventh and eighth grade, you were a standout. Um, You played with 18 year olds. So that must've been like a huge challenge. And how did you overcome that? And how were you able to achieve so much success? That, I mean, we were always competitive. So, and I went against people that were good and I had just got, I started I picked up a stick in like fourth grade, but didn't start playing until maybe sixth. So, I mean, we all kind of did at my school and then it, I just took a liking to it. And um, I don't really know how I got good. Like we had good coaches at the school because again, our program was good. So I think that helped. 
Yeah. And you mentioned the success you had in your uh, later high school years, like sophomore, junior, senior year. What emotions were you feeling when you were named All-State and Player of the Year in your junior and senior seasons? Obviously, I was honored. Um, those things didn't. I wasn't in it for that. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. wanted our team to do well and like win. And the state championships were the most exciting rather than player of the year or that's that sort of stuff honestly like winning as a team and getting because you're so close with these people because you go to school with them for so long and it's like they're basically your sisters honestly so winning with them is even extra special and like that was our ultimate goal rather than I could have cared less about winning player of the year if we didn't win the state championship you know like that was that was more important to me yeah, and we've heard from some of our other athletes that to have the best recruiting experience, high school athletes sometimes have to reach out to college coaches or different colleges. So what was the recruitment process like for you? And tell us about how you eventually chose UNC. Yes, my recruiting process was not normal, I guess you could say. Like I was had some schools in mind that I maybe wanted to go to. I wasn't really recruited, honestly. Like um, maybe some smaller schools um, and then some basketball like Cornell reached out to me and maybe for basketball so I was still like juggling that whole situation and deciding what I wanted to pursue um, but for field hockey I and in gen in life I was a UNC fan through and through since I was like six years old and my parents don't know where it came from maybe it was because I liked soccer I love basketball, so that had something to do with it. But um, so I reached out to Coach Shelton and I said, Hey, I'm gonna be at some of these tournaments. Like, if you don't mind, I'm really interested in going to the University of North Carolina. And she saw me play a couple times and then uh invited me to what they call junior day. So like when you're a junior, you come on campus, you get to see the campus. And we, in that day, we had to play a little bit with some of the other um, perspective student athletes. And on that day, she like offered me a spot, you know, just an admission spot, not any scholarship or anything like that. But, and in the moment I said, yes, I would love to come. So it was kind of unique in that, in that sense. That's awesome. And as many of us know, UNC has had one of the best field hockey teams in the nation for some time. So what was it like? Live? How'd you live up to that expectation on that team? And was did you ever feel any intimidation that you had all this pressure to just continue the legacy? I didn't feel pressure because I didn't even know. I mean, obviously, I felt pressure for myself because I wanted to be I wanted to improve and I wanted to be the best player I could be. Um, but I was just like honored to be a part of it, no matter if I played or didn't play. And like you said, it had coach Shelton like established such a, a winning culture. So it was honestly like, I just wanted to be a part of that. Um, and I wanted the team to do well, but I didn't have that many expectations of how much I would play in my time there or that sort of thing. I just tried to get better every year. And then, you know, the playing time and that sort of stuff I figured would sort itself out, you know, trust in your coaches at that point. Yeah. And talking about your coaches and Coach Shelton, 
what was your relationship like with her as a player, um, both on and off the field, and how did she unlock the best in you? She unlocked the best in me because she pushed me to be better every day, and sometimes that was, you know, in a hard in a harsher way. But sometimes you have to, you know, you have to do that to get the the best out of the player. And I could take it, so I think she knew that, and like she knew maybe that I had some potential. So she didn't take it easy on any of us, really, not just me. Um, but again, it's you don't get you don't win nine national championships by just saying, oh, good job all the time. So, um, yeah, she pushed me and the other coaches pushed me and encouraged me that, you know, if you work hard, like maybe um, good things for hap- good things will happen for you. Um, but nothing is guaranteed. So, yeah, she just showed me showed me how to work harder than I thought I could work and that sort of thing that I still, you know, carry with me today. Not not that I'm playing, but just in life. For sure. And I think those traits that you talked about are very similar in all great coaches. They all know how to unlock the best in their players. For sure. Um, but I, in you at UNC, you continued your success, had numerous individual accolades, like being a three-time MVP, three-time All-American, three-time All-ACC Defensive Player of the Year, but you also won the NCAA championship in 2009. What I want to know is where you kept all that hardware, all your victory, all that stuff. Where where do you have that now? <laughs> That's a great question. I love that. Um, my parents have some of it. And then my grandparents actually have some of it, too, in their house, just because we went through a move. And at that time, we had to, like, get, um, give it, give some of it to them. And then now my parents have plenty of space. But they still they they like it so we let them have it um got to keep the grandparents happy but yeah I don't have any of it personally because again it's the national championship was the pinnacle and nothing can touch that um and the rest of that like it's for the parents it's for the people that appreciate it every day not that I don't appreciate it but I, I don't need it um in my in my house you know yeah yeah, and obviously you've had success at all levels of your career, and some athletes have gotten complacent individually when they taste success, but of course you never did that. So what helped you keep going? I mean, you're always striving to be better than what you were and what you are, I think. like You shouldn't settle because the person down the road at another school is just going to be working harder to be better than you always. So you kind of have to have that mentality, I think. Um, and Coach Shelton says it all the time, like, you are what you are. You are what you repeatedly do. So there's no time to be complacent. If you want to be great, you have to practice good habits. And we try to do that every day, and we try to instill that um, in, in our athletes as well. Um, so, and if you start to get complacent, she'll she'll call you out. You know, if you start to get lazy or um, she has a good way of recognizing that and pointing it out. And I think that that's important. Exactly. And then what were you, you took it, your career took a huge jump when you went from being a superstar at UNC to a member of the field talking U.S. women's national team. What were the steps you took to get on that national team? Um. So basically every year they have kind of like a tryout where they take 
um, the top um, college athletes and then you kind of from each region and then you kind of like form a team like we had the south region which would be like UVA UNC Duke we all practice get this is in the summertime and then we yeah. form like a team and then we compete against the other regions excuse me um and from that like the national team coach would be there and then he would select a team or um, new players um so that's how I got picked and then you just we started training um in Chula Vista shortly thereafter so that that was kind of the process um and at that point I had graduated so I could kind of go to California, go wherever was needed. But some of the kids were younger and they were still in college. So obviously that took priority. Um, but in the worst, the, the U.S. is kind of struggling with that now um, just because they are so young. And it's, it's, a, it's hard to manage school and NCAA and the national team. So I luckily didn't have to do that though. But that was kind of, un- it wasn't unique, but that was the process for me. Yeah, and in 2015, you had a new experience. You were selected for the 2015 Pan Am U.S. national team. So talk to us about that experience um, at the Pan Am Games. Yeah, so I was an alternate for that, and so I didn't actually play. Um, But it was great to be with that group that ultimately ended up going to Rio. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, that was, I was happy to be an alternate. I didn't think that, I wasn't sure if I would even get selected, to be honest, because I was kind of always on the bubble um, of being selected or not. So that tournament, um, it was it was a great experience for me because I got to watch a lot of games and I got to be around the group and, you know, learn from the coaching staff when I was on the sidelines and that sort of stuff. So it, it was a great learning experience. For sure. And in July 2016, you were actually named to the U.S. Olympic National Field Hockey Team for the 2016 Summer Olympics. What was that selection like for you finally being able to represent the United States at a global level? I mean, that was one of the probably like proudest moments of my career, my life. Um, You can't really describe it, uh, to be honest, but it was very emotional, obviously, in a good way because you put years of work and then you finally get to your old, I mean, that was my goal. You know, that's why you kind of join a national team. I mean, I think most people do um, to go to the Olympics and that was very special. Um, But again, we, we weren't just satisfied with like going there and qualifying. It was what we wanted to do after. And I think that was special for our group because again, um it was a special group and we trained like monday through friday two times a day for three plus years so that's a lot of quality time um but again it was emotional but it it was so special yeah and talk to us about a day in the life as an olympic as an olympian and just the type of experiences that you experienced um down in brazil Sure. So, I mean, we would typically wake up, you know, go to the dining hall, which is literally like four football fields long, probably. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, you would go begin your eggs and then Rafael Nadal might be behind you or something like that. 
Um, but seriously, he was in there. We saw him and he like wow. was the nicest man. Didn't say no to anyone about taking a picture or something like that. But you're sur- constantly surrounded by not just famous people, but the best athletes in the world. And like that is humbling and that is something you know I'll probably never I won't experience again um but it's just so cool honestly I was literally I feel like my I had to pick my jaw off the the ground um but so we would do that you know we would go to breakfast and we would train probably do a gym session um because you have to get there we got there like a week early before we competed um and then our competition was kind of unique because it spanned the whole two weeks. So most people, you know, you might do one race and you're done. Uh, but we were there from pretty much the start to the end, uh, which was pretty cool because we got to see a lot of different events. We got to see a lot of people come in and out. Um, you know, the village, it was what it was. We all know that um, Brazil had some struggles, but the U.S. came in and they try to make it as comfortable for us as possible. And again, you're, you know what you're getting into. You're the third world country and they did the best that they could. And the, the, the venue was great. The the games were well attended. And I mean, it, it felt very special no matter what was the surrounding or so it was a lot of business when you get there. Like it's not, we weren't going to other venues to watch other teams like other people might do. Uh, because again, we had one goal in mind and we were like, we're not going to take anything for granted. Yeah. And what you said in general sounds like a super surreal experience. That sounds, mm-hmm. that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, but looking back over your international career, what are some of your fondest moments? I mean, I never would have been to half the places in the world that I went to if I wasn't playing field hockey on that level. Um, So I got to travel the world and see things that were, you know, maybe I won't see again. I would like to, but, you know, I've I've gone to New Zealand five times. Like, wow, it's incredible. That country is incredible. The people are incredible. Um, You get to experience things. You know, I, I, I did have the good fortune and that my parents and like when we traveled as a family, we could go places like I left the country, you know? Um, but I mean, I basically lived in Holland for like a month. We all did at one point and, you know, like not many people can say that and not many people can experience all the different cultures. And you honestly just like grow as a person by seeing what other how other cultures are and you know how things are different and you know it it brightened my horizon on the world um which is priceless so I think those are the most and you get to do it with people that you really care about you know um so that's the most that's what I take away I think yeah that seems really special and transitioning from your international career to your coaching career um, you got into coaching as an assistant coach at Princeton University. So talk to us about that, how that came about, and then how you transitioned down back to your alma mater at UNC. Yeah, so after I retired from playing, I worked for a club team in Pennsylvania for a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. And then 
realized that that wasn't really for me anymore. Um, and I was approached, I knew the assistant coach at Princeton and I applied and then I ended up getting that position. Um, and I was there for only one season, basically from like end of April till December. Um, so it was short. It wasn't planned that way. I just was approached by coach Shelton at a recruiting tournament actually. And she was like, Hey, you know, our assistant coach is leaving. We have a person in mind that we want, but I think you should imply just in case something happens. Like the person that they wanted wasn't me. Um, it was a goalie coach and she ended up not wanting to wanting the job essentially. And then I got lucky. So um, I, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up even just applying. Um, Cause I knew it would be pretty cool to come back here. And I mean, again, coach Shelton has created such a dynasty. Uh, this is the best program in the country. Maybe not at the time when I took the job or even now, like we have a lot of ways to go, but you know, they're a top five program consistently. Yeah, um, yeah. And who doesn't want to work in that environment? So it was kind of a no brainer just to apply. Exactly. And what was the switch like at UNC from obviously playing four years there as a player to now coaching there? What was the difference like and how did your relationship with Coach Shelton change over time? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, and I get it. I get it often because obviously I had reservations. Um not reservations, but like you have concerns, you have questions, you have thoughts about how the day-to-day is going to be. Um, but we never had a a bad relationship. We weren't like the closest. You know, she was closer when I was a player. She was probably closer with other people. But again, we didn't have a bad relationship at all. Um, we respected each other a great deal and, you know, collaborated. But I didn't know how it would be like, I didn't know what kind of a leader she would be in terms of the day to day in the office, that sort of thing. It exceeded my expectations. Um, she is the most collaborative person I've ever worked with. She wants to learn every day from us, from the staff, just in her personal life also. Like she's constantly trying to get better and trying to absorb more information about where the game is going and I can appreciate that and again she trusts a lot in us as a complete staff and um I I I can't speak higher in that regard so it exceeded expectations um and not that I didn't have a great experience at Princeton don't get me wrong it's just different and we have more support at UNC just that's just the way the university is. It has nothing to do with the field hockey program at Princeton. It's just us as a university, we have more support around us to allow us, I think, to be more successful. Yeah, that seems like it's a perfect fit. And um, the team has been amazing. You guys have enjoyed loads of success. You've gone undefeated over 17 games and you just won the ACC championship. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank um, you very much. So as a coach, what was it like to experience that? It it was it was special because um 
you know, you, you work with the kids every day and like, you want them to be successful and you want them to play well and, you know, but nothing is guaranteed. And you, I feel like they play the game, we guide them, but they're the ones that have to do it. And then when you see all the things that you practice day in and day out and they, you know, they don't do it always in the game, but like, you know, that the things that you're saying are sinking in. So to me, that's the most gratifying thing. And obviously just so happy for them because they deserve it and they do work hard. So that, yeah, it's hard to describe, but it, it's just like a very proud moment for me. And I didn't know what it would feel like. I knew it would be special, but, and just being here for one season, like it's, this group is something special. So it makes it hit home even more. Yeah. And if anyone were to know about the hard work the players would put in, it would be you because you spent four years there. Um, but our first ever interview on this podcast actually was with Doran Eisenbeis, a current UNC oh, yeah. field hockey player. Yeah. So what's your relationship, what's your relationship like with her? And then with, with the rest of the team in general, how do you interact on a daily basis and what's your coaching style like? Sure. Yes. Dorit is a defender. So I work closely with her all the time, every week. Um, my relationship with the team is I'm fairly close with them. They are kind of my, um, they go to me for a lot of questions you can imagine, um, just in the day to day, because I do have to do some like administrative things. So logistics of travel and that sort of thing. Um, so they come to me with a lot of those questions. We do have a, I do have a group chat with them just to give texting rather than email. Cause I know they don't read email. Um, just to, if I need to give them information about, you know, Hey, practice time has changed, or I need you to fill out your food order for me. Like those are the things that when I need to get done, you know, I can shoot them a quick text. Um, yeah. so I, I am very close with them in that way. Um, in the day to day, obviously I, I see them all the time. Um, I help with their laundry, you know, they, let me tell you, they have it good. Okay. (laughs) Um, no, but I enjoy it and I enjoy if I can make, if I can try and make their lives a little less stressful, um, for us to be successful and just for them to be successful on the field and in school, I will do it. Um, as long as they work hard, like like you were saying, and they respect the staff and they respect me, which they do, um, I have no problem. But yes, I work very closely with them um, all the time. I just, my rule is do not call or text me after 11. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just reflecting on your career and um, people that are coming up, you seem like it's been really working for UNC, helping out the younger generation. Um, what advice do you have for female athletes trying to gain recognition? And just with the success you have, what kind of advice do you have for them just forward with their careers? I get this, you know, people are always like, oh, advice, you know, what do you, what, you know, what, what do you say? And I just say, work hard every day and put yourself in the best position to be successful. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, you know, that can, 
that can derail you or something like that. But like, if you put your best foot forward every day and you have a good attitude and you say, Hey, I'm striving to be the best that I can in this moment, then you will be successful. And no matter what you do, and there's outside factors, but, and you're not going to be a hundred percent every day. So, but if you just put your best foot forward and you have a, you have a dream in mind or you have a goal in mind, I think that is key. Cause if you don't have a goal, whether it's, it could be, Hey, I want to start this year, or I want to be an impactful player, or I want to, I don't know, you want to hit every ball perfectly in this practice. It could be something small like that, but if you don't have that vision, then it makes it harder to for you to be successful, I think. So, you know, everything is with a goal in mind, but also it doesn't matter if you don't work hard and you have to, you have to try and put effort in every day, probably more than you think you can. And that's the hard part. I agree. And finally, our last question to learn more about you, where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, My Instagram is poppy underscore 20 and i am on facebook but i'm not on twitter i think i am on twitter but i don't use it okay sounds um, good and i'm an instagram person so okay sounds good well that's all we have for you today thank you so much for joining us we appreciate all the insight and the advice at the end and thank you so much for sharing your expertise your experiences and all your success with our audience and just good luck on the ncaa tournament coming up we really hope you guys succeed Thank you so much for your time and great questions. And I really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.